welcome to Yeah But Still. This week, uh, honestly, I've been trying to have you on for a really long time, and I don't know how it hasn't happened until now. Uh, it's not your fault. It's just uh, <laughs> thank you for it's starting. Not your with fault that. at all, but um, but I'm very happy to have you. Uh, Dan Deacon is our guest this week. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Um, I mean, I tried to have you. We're in the desert when I was trying to get you on one time, so I think really that was just like environmental problems. Are you talking about at Form? Yeah, at Arco Santi. Yeah. I was trying to get you to do a podcast in the desert with me. It was just a bad idea. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I've wanted to have you on for a really long time and um, stoked well, to have you here. Um, I'm also a big fan. Um, I've been a, I've been a fan since the early days, I'd say. when you. I mean, I remember seeing you on... Um, a local news channel that's kind of like an infamous video what was oh, what yes. was that local news uh, it was station the savannah local nbc affiliate how did that so, so yeah how did that come to be because that's like one of my favorite videos i had a friend who worked as like an intern there for like the morning show like they're like wake up normal morning news and they were like wanted to have more guests and he told them, he, I was playing his house. He had like a house venue. Mm-hmm. This was in 2004. And I didn't know it was for NBC. He just told me he worked for the local TV station. I assumed it was like public access or the college station. And we drove through the night from after our show in Atlanta. And by show, I mean like playing to five people in like an old Classic. Uh, TJ Maxx that had no one in it. Um <laughs> So, and I didn't, I don't drink coffee and I didn't drink coffee back then at all. And I was exhausted and I drank this huge, huge cup of coffee and was just like sweating bullets and the Georgia humidity and just like cracked out of my mind. And I didn't know that he told the station that I was like Moby. Like that's how he oh, sold really? me. He was like, <laughs> he's like, this guy is like Moby. And at the time, like Moby was huge. Yeah, like the vision of the future. Like, yeah. can you believe this guy makes music with computers? <laughs> like, <laughs> and people were like, but how do you make music? How do you do anything with a computer? Dude, I remember, and, total aside, but like, I remember uh, that time when people were still like wrapping their heads around it. Like, I remember the Chemical mm-hmm. Brothers got introduced on MTV and they were saying like that exact thing. Like, I don't know how they do it, but these guys make music with a computer. <laughs> and I remember being at home like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like thinking they just like typed typed out like you know the notes or something like in text form but um bro brandon are you familiar with the video we're talking about by the way i'm i'm not oh no. i mean i'm 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 uh you know i'm familiar with 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 dan some of, of course but uh for those for you yeah. and for those who don't know what i'm talking about before dan finishes it's like basically this video of this uh like a normal morning newscast where it's like these, you know, the anchors introduce you and then you just give like a very, very bizarre performance using only analog equipment. Um, well, they also had no speakers. Yeah. I couldn't, he- I couldn't hear anything. So wait, can so, you continue though? You were sweating outside. Just like... Is it, could, we, could we watch it right now? We could. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could pull it up with a screen share. Let me find it. But keep, keep going, Dan. So... I, I didn't think that, the, I, you know, one, the idea, a viral video I don't think existed at this point. I don't think that term existed or, like, the idea of this being seen beyond it just being on TV existed. Yeah. Oh, that was, 
um, I hadn't showered in days and you can tell in the, in the clip, like I came from the show, I get really sweaty when I play. And it was again, Georgia and summer and humid. And I'm wearing these pants I bought at the thrift store and the zipper just does not stay up. It's just one of those like awful fucking zippers. And you can see that my like fly is half down and I can't hear anything. I also look like a psychopath at at this point in my life. 2004. Yeah. Wow. This is, uh, so I have the video now. You guys can see it and hopefully you'll be able to hear it. But this was like one of my, I mean, I saw this of you and I was like, dude, who is this guy? I mean, I, saw, I think I saw it at the time, you know, because um, then I, I think I later saw you at Pitchfork Festival. But um, it was just like one of those things. And there's, you know, I could kind of like vividly remember the times it's happened where you just see somebody in something that's like just different to you. And you're just like, man, what is <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what this is, but I like it. Um, but anyway, here here's the clip. Dan Deacon uh, is here with us today. Dan, let's hear some music. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> let's start in one second. One, two, there. vibing hard I guess I saw a lot when I said it's not that bad that dog that cat that little tidy male I guess I sort of lied when I said it's not that bad dude you really you really went for it in this like, you gotta go really for it. Went for it. Do you talk? I'm scanning through. Do you? Do they talk to you at the end of this? Uh, no, they wouldn't. They speak just to me at all. <laughs> Wait, I want to see what happens. Oh yeah, because you descended into noises. with us on Coastal Sunrise this morning. You can see Dan this weekend at the Mao Space, Saturday, 9 o'clock at 117 <laughs> West Gaston Street. Coastal Sunrise here for WSAB. We'll take a break and be right back. Oh, my God. Wait, that this, was, is, that this is 5.57 a.m.? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In Florida. In Georgia. It's, oh, in Georgia. It's Still, solely like, it's solely like people getting ready for to like take their kids to school or senior citizens. Yes, I'm at this thinking. hour, or no like, one yeah. who could have possibly enjoyed it. Yeah, but <laughs> but then like yeah. So wait, did that get uploaded and like go viral? I guess so to uh, speak. It did. At the time? It got added to College Humor. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, wow, that was I'd never heard yes, of the sir. site, and then all of a sudden like. I don't, I, maybe you guys still do this, but like, check out my web analytics. I would like log into my like old, um, server and see like, oh, where are people finding my links? Maybe I'll be in a web ring <laughs> and all these college humor hits and no one came to the show. I wish, the, and the station has tried to have me back on a couple of times, but it, the schedule just doesn't work out. I mean, the, the video, the aftermath of the video uh, was more far more effective than the the news broadcast. You uh, they got many calls complaining. That that's morning. amazing. I mean, in a way, <laughs> predicting how media would move in the future. 
You know, no, not at all. Um, I mean, a much uh, a much less streamlined internet at the time, a college humor era, a break dot com era. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It yeah. is funny to like think back to because that was sort of like YouTube wasn't really big. It was sort of getting off the ground. YouTube, I think, came out. I don't out know if like, YouTube did YouTube exist yet. I don't think so. I think YouTube was two thousand six. Yeah, yeah. Because I I remember vividly, you know, back in the day. Uh, forum era when people started posting YouTube links when it would just be like full episodes of whatever like full like Wild West shit I remember like seeing people post a YouTube link and being like I don't know if this is safe I remember too yeah <laughs> yeah. I remember too oh, thinking it was like scammy well because YouTube.com I don't know I'm gonna get a virus yeah well you the name YouTube sounded weird at the time oh yeah, yeah. I thought it was gonna be like a weather bug situation where it was like, like uh, a tool that actually was just like pure on like a pure virus, you know. Back then, there was like not really a good place to be like posting your own stuff. So or was, anything. I mean, yeah. MySpace only let you have four songs at a time, and I think like twelve photos or something. Yeah. Like, and if you wanted to add a new one, you had to delete the old one. Like that is just. I think that's why there's so few images and documents from that period of time because everyone was always getting a new camera that had a different format and they were storing it on a computer that they wouldn't back up and dude i mean it's it's weird how the internet was i I feel like that there was like a three-year window where like the internet was truly democratized yeah yeah where it was just like oh youtube is uh, a, a website for the people and then immediately it was just like oh nbc figured it out yeah you know they're every you know you go go to YouTube.com. It's literally just like whatever happened on Fallon last night. I'm going to Dane Cook's MySpace now to see who's in his top eight. Oh, he still has one. It, well, everybody's MySpace is still up, I think, right? MySpace is side-scrolling now. But oh, like dude. It, they it fucked it up, man. stripped down. Uh-oh. Tom really did it right. What's he doing now? He's literally... He just like goes to like islands. He just travels and like takes photos. He sold, he sold MySpace to fox for like millions of dollars that is so sick Fucking sold my sold my space to rupert murdoch and then just <laughs> dipped absolutely like that's amazing Pimp. i hate like it honestly it bothers me a lot when when people are like uh yeah whatever happened to MySpace tom and i'm like yeah he's fucking happier than ever everyone uh he, he did it he did it right well dude he's like I mean, yeah, he is doing it right because, like, look at Mark Zuckerberg who hung on to his shit. Like, right. I don't want to be Mark Zuckerberg. In fact, somebody pointed out to me recently a very funny fact about Mark Zuckerberg is that um, I, I didn't even know this. Mark Zuckerberg's phone somehow got hacked and he got his photos got released. Did you know that, Brandon? No. But here, exactly, because, dude, his hacked photos were so boring that like it I'm was just sure. a blip on the news item and nobody gave a shit. Like literally his private photo album from his phone is is just like pictures of his barbecue and like <laughs> and, like him laying on the ground and stuff fully clothed. It's like Hell I yeah. I would pull them up but they're so boring it's even hard to find them. I'm sure MySpace Tom is fucking laying crazy pipe. Yeah, just like, I guarantee I I guarantee that. Just sex tourism. You know, the smartest you take thing off- you take off Zuckerberg's khakis, it's just another pair of khakis. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Dan? I, 
I think my the smartest thing MySpace Tom did was we don't know his last name. Exactly. Tom Anderson. Oh, okay. Tom Anderson. Brennan knows for some reason. No, he, I but know. Th- even that, it's it's like he lives this anonymous life. Good luck He's Googling like, oh, that. Shit. Yeah. Dude, look at look at MySpace Tom's Instagram. Look at this. He's like, just hanging out with some babe. I'm gonna pull it up. In a tropical locale. What I is it? Oh, it's my sp- at MySpace Tom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, same same profile photo. It's, it's amazing. Just post it up. Oh yeah, these are all just like his his Instagram just like pictures of beautiful places. Yeah. This is so. There's no funny. way MySpace Tom is taking these photos. No, this does. No, it I, literally, I believe it. It looks like um the Instagram account for like Sandals Jamaica or something. <laughs> it's all like HDR photos of islands. I mean, he might be. Yeah, I think that's that's like that's just like what he does now. No, yeah, this is like what rich guys do. The number one rich guy hobby is to get a really nice like Canon One D, and then go around taking HDR photos of beautiful sunrises. Sounds kind of nice. Yeah, just like look like seeing a beautiful sun sunrise or sunset, and then like taking really nice pictures of it, and spending a lot of time <laughs> editing them. I mean, I'm not criticizing this. This is just like, it's a nice hobby. No, this is, it's a great, it's a, he, he did it. Oh my God. Dude, Rupert Murdoch bought MySpace for 580 million. That's amazing. And I, I couldn't even imagine what it's worth now. Like he got out of the best possible time. Yes. It's, it, it costs like nothing now, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, probably the same so thing with AOL. Fucking, good for him. Dude, the 90s, like. So many people were getting rich off of like putting anything on the internet in the nineties. Yeah. Just like they would make some like weird program or website and then like sell it off. We're kind of going through it again a little bit, but I think we're coming to an end of it. If you knew how to put anything on the internet, people were like you basically knew where gold was. Yeah. <laughs> people were like, You can take a picture with a little computer and put it on a big computer and I can see it on my computer. <laughs> That's like the only thing that really dates shows. Like I've been binge watching a lot of shows and if they show a computer screen or like reference using the internet at all. Like that's like the one thing about like Get Out where like they hop on Bing and you're like, what's going on here? This is, why, why is this guy on Bing? <laughs> There's always like a moment in like movies where somebody will fucking hop on Bing and you're like, all right, well, now you've you've taken me out of <laughs> That's really <laughs> funny. That's you know, the suspension of disbelief. There's going to be some weird artifacts too from like every music video of the last 6 years having a beat pill in it. Oh, you yeah. You notice that? Cuz like beats, I mean, that- for years yeah, so many music videos are just like it's an ass shaking next to a beats pill. Well, it's because like, you know, music videos are really low budget generally now. And you would usually right. need to have like a little extra money like midway through and an easy way Absolutely. always like every director knows like you could go to Beats and they'll give you like five grand to put a Beats pill in your music video. But it has to include a close up shot of somebody interacting with the Beats pill. At least that makes more sense. Like I remember when Red Bull was like sponsoring all this weird experimental music and I was like, how does like a Lamont Young or Wolf Eye showcase help you sell <laughs> soda. Yeah. Like, oh, right. how, is, how, is, how is anyone what being is, like, yeah, uh, I yeah. saw this 12-hour drone choir and I was so <laughs> fucking ripped. Like, <laughs> okay, wait, I want to get back on, on track, I guess, of uh, talking about you, though. So You don't want to talk about like tech acquisitions in the 
early 2000s. Yeah, we're gonna turn it. <laughs> we're gonna turn into a financial history um, podcast. Um, okay, so I guess like the the next thing that I you probably don't want to talk about, but we're gonna make you talk about is um drinking out of cups. Yeah, drinking out of cups. Your second viral video, which yes. for for those who don't know what I'm talking about, it's uh it went very viral. It's like this lizard. Uh, it's this animated lizard. We're not gonna make you watch it, but um. Thank you so much. Just kind of <laughs> like be crazy. Yeah, it's just like saying kind of like what what appears to be like random stuff, but um, I mean, I what sticks out to me about it is that it was always it always had like some rumors and explanations of it um, that were all wrong because like as it turns out, you made it for like a class or something. I mean, you could explain, but the uh, the explanations were always like, oh yeah, that gecko video? Did you know that it was like a recording of a psychopath talking? <laughs> like, oh, it's a psycho on acid. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, or a gosh. guy on acid locked in a closet and his friends are recording and... Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what was, was the backstory it, it was of my, it? It was my first lesson that like what you put on the internet is no longer yours it is the internet's mm-hmm. it's like yes. throwing it into the ocean like context collapse it's just completely gone and yeah. you know it was on a cdr that i made in college when i was in like a sophomore and i was up one night couldn't sleep and i was just watching tv with the sound off and i grew up on long island and i used to do this like talking in that like long island voice and have this like satirical, uh, I don't know, broy dickhead, but like who only talked about absurd nonsense. So I was just watching TV with the sound off, and I put it on there. And I had to write a piece for solo voice, so I submitted that as like what was supposed to be like an opera piece. Huh. And uh, teacher did not appreciate it. Um, oh, so it was a class assignment. I ended. I I tried to justify it as a class assignment. Oh, okay. It was, I, I assumed it was, really, it was like experimental film or something no no i was just recording this character (laughs) and put it on the cdr and then somehow someone ripped it and put it on some like comedy message boards and it made its way to liam lynch who did syphil and ollie oh wow yeah i remember that and um he was starting a video podcast on itunes oh wow and this in the first podcast wave when podcasts were for ipods Mm-hmm. To like watch little shows on your little TV in your pocket. Yeah. And I was a big fan of Syphil and Ollie and he had already made the animation. And I, I said, sure, sounds good. And then someone ripped it from that and put it on YouTube. And the rest was, I like you said earlier, like couldn't predict what would happen or how people would interpret it or interact with it. Um, the joke was lost the joke isn't funny, but the joke was lost and it became like people like identified with the lizard, like when like the lizard is an asshole. What was um, it? So what was the original joke supposed to be? Just that this guy's a, a raving psychopath. It's not even a joke. I didn't think anyone <laughs> would hear it. It was on a CDR called Meetle Mice that I made like 50 copies of. Yeah. Um, but I guess to answer that question, what was the joke? Uh, I don't know. I guess it was just, I'm trying to remember the point of the joke a 19 year old joke just like a guy being a dumbass just a guy being a dumbass weren't you watching like, tv and like watching TV, the tv with the sound off just yeah just like reacting riffing about like, talking what was on. shit to like whoever is on the tv basically yeah just like getting mad at them kind of is what it sounds like and then yeah. it just blew up 
And I'd get messages from people being like, we're over here in Iraq blasting your track. All the troops love it. <laughs> that's so funny. And I was like, oh, Dude, my God. Dude, that's why we then, lost the war. That's why we lost the war. The troops were watching, drinking out of cups. Dude. But still, every, every once in a while, um, people still will post tattoos of sayings from it. And I've, I have a real terrible... I, you know, I wish it didn't exist and I was a real, I don't know, if I was the same person I was 19 years ago, I'd have a real horrible developmental problem. But, uh, I don't know. It's, it was a good early lesson to, in what the internet can be and what it can do because I had already had that. And there were two separate things and no one ever connected the, the dots. It was like, there's this weird music guy on the morning news and then there's this drinking out of cups and even though they were both constantly shared in the same place no one was like maybe this is the same person um (laughs) so i remember sarah silverman talking about it on some talk show and then like those shitheads opie and anthony brought it up and it's been referenced in family guy and really all these yeah that's hilarious it's a weird so what's your regret from it would you say like Um, for the lesson I, I guess, like, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Because I always thought the, you were just, like, annoyed to talk about it again. Because I've asked you about no, it before. No, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed right now. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I guess, how old would I have been? I would have been 20 years old and thinking about that stage in my life and where I was. Like, I guess not knowing that, like, not all humor was for me to explore. Hmm. And that to... I didn't think about how something could be removed from its context and be not funny. And if I didn't supply the context or make it clear that this was supposed to be satirical or just absurd, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's a, a harmful piece, but I do. I I would never make it again, brother. That makes you're, any sense. you're preaching to the choir with us two right here. We know. Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm familiar. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, also with you know. with the internet, though, the thing is, some things, you know. You behave on there uh, it, with an assumption that like things are temporary. That's how it was when we grew up, you know? Well, so, I like, didn't even immediate. put it on the internet, which yeah, is the, yeah. the part that was, I was like, at first I was like, wow, I can't believe someone uploaded this. Yeah. And it wasn't like, I should be making money off of it. It was just sort of like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. And then when it, when it was on YouTube, I was like, wow, I can't believe this went from like someone had a CDR that I must have sold them in person because I like handmade them and oh, only wow. sold them at shows. And I'd only played like, I don't know, probably at that point to 500 people tops out of the dozens and dozens of shows I would have played. Yeah. So then that person would have uploaded the CD, somehow put it on this comedy board, and then somehow that got shared enough to find its way to Liam Lynch. And then it gets put on his podcast which you had to pay to download someone takes a segment from that and puts it on youtube and it it blows up like following that is absurd how many you know years, what I mean? uh, how much time was between recording it and um it i would have viral. recorded it in 2000 or yeah it would have been 2000 and then it got started blowing up i think 2000 or first uploaded in 2006 damn so when can we expect the gecko num- uh, part two? <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch uh-huh. of people who try to cash in on it. 
That's what we brought you and on the show here uh, for today. <laughs> Dan promised to record Doug Echo Part 2. Psychopath locked in a closet. <laughs> He's still locked in there. Um, no, I mean... High guy being trippy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, it's like... um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably annoying to talk about, but... It, it, it's fine. It's fine to talk it's about. A, it's, it's weird because it's like even, you know, it gets taken from your hands and like it can kind of live longer than you think. But also it's like it's not ever your fault, really. You know, it's like to to the person doing it, it's like you made that uh, for one reason, like one day. And that's all you had to do with it. You know, you uh, after that, you weren't involved, you know, and it's like. When when you do something like that, it's it's always surprising. Like, dude, how is this still going? It's like, <laughs> it feels the oldest to you, which is strange. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very familiar with uh, you know, putting something out on the internet and it becoming bigger than you wanted it to. No, yeah, of and course, it becomes linked linked to your identity. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. and uh, you know, it feels bad. Well, yeah, the internet, especially. <laughs> especially twitter is so mindless it's like it's like just yeah almost the same as just saying something one day with your friends you know it, it's like right. it's like being quoted back something that you said at a party one time uh years ago it's, it's, um, yeah, it's inherently it is, bizarre i mean i think like you know people people have that first that first moment where they realize the the internet is too powerful Mm-hmm. And then they have to reconsider how you know their entire relationship with the medium, <laughs> and be like, "All right, well, well, like I, I gotta go about this a little differently." Yeah, be a little more discerning about what I, you know, because it is—it's like a gun. It's like a gun that you know everybody just has access to this gun. Yeah, but it's <laughs> only be- pointed at you. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, exactly. That's a very good point. Um, but anyway, I I'm mean, just I'm just so glad that I don't have that I was that I that my childhood was devoid of the internet. Oh, really? It was completely. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, like in Internet 2.0, I guess. Oh, that sure. Social yeah. media didn't re- like MySpace was around, but like it's not archived. It's not there. Um, it w- it wasn't really like what Facebook is. People wouldn't go on MySpace and like rant about politics Mm -mm. or like political views or I don't know. I'm just, if you were, you guys are familiar with 89 plus? No. Oh no. What's that? It's like, it, I, it's probably pretty dated now, but it's this, um, concept or I'm sure it was just a, you know, someone in art school and then it became like a a buzzed talk about thing and future talk. But that if you were born in 1989 or after, your sense of self was formed uh, simultaneously in the real world and virtually. That your online presence was just as important as your real-life presence. And for anyone older than that, your sense of self was already formed so that being online was less important to you. That, like, you'll never think of the internet in as this real tangible place, the way that people who grew up when they were younger, who were like, if you got bullied on the internet, it was just as real as getting bullied online. That, like, or in real like life, a, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, a gradient shift in age because of just your exposure to it and when you came into it in your life. Yeah, I mean, well, are you pre 89? No, I'm 81. Okay, yeah, that's I'm I'm 81 plus. So I'm 88. I think I feel 
probably like 50-50 internet real life, you know? Brandon, what about well, you? Well, you were probably an early adopter in a lot of things, too. Well, yeah, I'm I'm uh, 92. I was deprived of the internet for a long time as a kid, and when we finally got it, I like made up for it, you know? The first time I went on AOL, like I convinced my dad to get it, I had this screen name that was like Primus with like a ton Hell of yeah, S's. dude. Yeah. And like went into like a... Uh, our town's chat room, like the Long Island town I grew up in's chat room. And the first thing we got was just like some dude being like, how old are you? I'm horny. I live in Lindenhurst. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was like, well, you're never using this again. All right. <laughs> I, uh, same with me. Like immediately, when you get the internet, like the first thing you do, you're just like, all right, what's the worst shit we could do right now? Just like do that. I didn't even mean to. I just thought I was going to be like, yeah, and you can go in here and find out like local news. And oh, I guess this man wants to fuck a child. Okay, I guess. Uh, sorry, Dad. <laughs> me and my friend, me and my friend went in chat rooms and got online girlfriends when we were like eight years old, basically like catfishing. <laughs> but it was just like we were just like talk to somebody who was probably a grown man, you know, and be like, you want to be my Absolutely. girlfriend? And they'd be like, yes. I remember like doing it at my friend's house and then never talking to them again. But like months later being very paranoid being like i never broke up with her so like she's wondering why i am <laughs> like and i was afraid she was gonna come to my house like and find me and i was gonna get in trouble i was like i need to find her and go break up with her but i don't have a computer like I don't <laughs> just that that pile of information that i mean that probably doesn't exist because i think people didn't think about archiving that like back then but There'll never be a time where Facebook chat logs are not stored in at least a dozen locations yeah. as if they're important information at all. But that I keep thinking about like a, a service for like very rich children to be like, well, you know, we've, we've run the numbers and it looks like your, your child could run for senator, but uh, we're going to have to start monitoring their online presence now and scrubbing it and <laughs> cleaning it. And that must exist. Oh, there yeah. must be people who are like – yeah who are like juniors in high school and have to like really think about like, well, if I ever want to run for president, I better not get into memes. Well, <laughs> AOC has like, I don't know if she re- like wasn't online, but like her past is like kind of scrubbed from the internet. I'm not proposing this as like a, a mysterious thing. Like if you're running for office, you should a hundred percent get rid of all of it, no matter what, <laughs> you know, hundred percent. But I mean, she was either. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to I'm going to wipe it. Yeah. I'm going to wipe my my, I'm going to wipe. I'm going to delete my tweets before I run for office. Yeah. (laughs) There's no way anybody's going to be able to find anything. That's going to be. Yeah, that's that's going to be the one thing standing between you and uh, a Senate chair. I think that's the one thing, man. (laughs) Otherwise, you're good. You'd crush in those debates. (laughs) I went to an an art show where they had an open bar. But everything was a, like a penny, but you had to like do the transaction with a credit card. Mm. And the piece was they'd give you a receipt of all the public information they could find on you in that split second of doing that transaction. Holy shit. Whoa. Everyone's receipt was gigantic. Like some people had had their like criminal record on it. Like any public record was just, it was just this uh, inter- early internet artist. And Holy it blew shit! My mind. This was like you know, again, two thousand or nineteen ninety nine, and Whoa. I had no idea that that stuff was on the internet at all. Let alone like could be accessible by anybody. That's amazing. And yeah, I, I don't know why that service still doesn't. I mean, there's all those things where like you get a spam call and you put it into Google and you try to find the number and there's like ten thousand companies that are like, I'll take ten dollars from you to tell you. I don't yeah, know there's a. It's one of. The, <laughs> those things where it's like the line blurs between scam and real 
Um, yeah. I have like a list of tools for that, but they're all still, even the legit ones are still scammy. But luckily, like for real records, you have to pay for it because it's yeah. like you're not getting that for free. Especially. Maybe, I don't know how they were doing it, but it was. Oh, I could see it back unreal. in the day being easier. People were like weeping. They were like, how did you get this? That's amazing. <laughs> and because in the arts would be like, I don't even know what information is available. Like, we're just running it through every, you know, database that we could find and it was intense it was an intense it sounds, i like, mean yeah that is uh that does sound very very impressive and very eye-opening but they didn't save it or like, anything but yeah it doesn't sound like a super fun party trick <laughs> no no and, and everyone went thinking that they're like open bars are gonna be awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the- <laughs> everyone bought one drink and left and went home and googled like what is google yeah, <laughs> they didn't know about. Did they know about the searching in advance, though? They knew that there was some sort of. Um, I guess people who probably read that like piece of paper they give you at the art show knew, but I was just sort of like they're giving out drinks. Um, I guess I didn't even drink at the time because I remember I didn't do one because one I didn't have a credit card and I didn't drink, but I just remember being blown away by the piece. Yeah, you were the only guy that liked it because you weren't drinking or. <laughs> being background checked you're just enjoying actually enjoying watching it um i love art so i wanted to get back to your music i guess um one what sticks out to me about you is like uh it's probably the most i've seen any musician progress in terms of like sound uh not necessarily good or bad but just like um like your first albums. Let's go with good. I'm gonna go with good. Yeah, yeah I think go good. With good, Jack. No, but I mean, it's, it's it's not. Well, it's not to say it's not to say that no, no. the first albums were bad. It's just that you were using like it's like in terms of analog music, and I guess I mean, what would you even call it? You're using like analog stuff at first, but you're kind of merging into digital, and you're still doing analog, right? I it's always I try to do whatever I have available to me. In the early stuff I didn't have much available. Yeah, well I mean that news clip of you like what were you using? Were you using like VCR parts and shit? Like there's some a weird Casio keyboard um uh this thing called a WaveTech 180. It's like a they used to use it for like testing to make sure that like there wasn't noise in your uh TV signal or like uh-huh. coming in from your antenna. So I used to go dumpster diving constantly and there were a bunch of like corporate warehouses and uh, headquarters all around Purchase where I went to school and found a bunch of test equipment in there and then whatever I could borrow or people were throwing out or didn't want and try to rig it up and make it work. But it's mainly that video that we watched was mainly uh, a Casio keyboard and the WaveTech was like the synth solo and then a couple of guitar pedals. I mean, um, like if you like just google image searching you like the old pictures that come up including i think the wikipedia one it's like shows your old setup and it, looking at it is like anxiety inducing it's like <laughs> everything's like taped together there's literally a ipod shuffle sitting on top of a banana which is very funny by the way i don't know Thank what you were using the ipod shuffle for but it had all the backing tracks that i couldn't perform live so i tried to do as much live as possible but i didn't want to limit what I would uh, play. Does that make any sense? Were you like, were you I, able to not have it uh, the iPod shuffle not shuffle the songs? It has a function where you can play it in sequence. Okay, okay. I used the shuffle because a regular... I used to use CDs. Yeah. Um, and uh, CDs were the worst. And I used to play in the middle of the crowd and it would get really 
really rowdy. Well, your shows were always so, crazy. They were pretty crazy. You do like you're like a camp counselor on stage, kind of. That's the, yeah. I, I do want to. I want to personally attest that you know when this is all over, people should go see you live. A hundred percent. Because I, I, well, I saw you at a uh, Outside Lands in 2015. That was fun. And it was it was like a. It's very interactive. You you like brought people out from the crowd, and you had these like ice pops on stage <laughs> that you had like re. I I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know what went into the technology, but it was it was basically like you would have different people lick the ice pop, and it mm-hmm. would you would be making a song live. I forgot about that popsicle thing. Yeah, how'd you? That was yeah. I can't remember the artist's name. That was like a collaborative sideshow and. She came to me with the popsicle idea, and I was like, "Sure, that's good." So it's been it's been crazy to see you progress um, in a great like linear fashion. But I don't think I at that time I don't think I would have ever anticipated where it would have gotten because you haven't me like either. changed. Um, but it's been like a fascinating example of like what happens when you just kind of like um, enable a per- like a a really weird person that is good at what they do. <laughs> you know, I remember watching. Um, like a behind the scenes video and you're making the album Bromst, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was like you like wiring up a player piano to play back this MIDI music, uh, which, which is kind of like, I, I just like a Dan Deaconism is like, like you're kind of like using an instrument in a way that's it's like impossible to play. Like, um, yes. like bongos that are played like way faster than a human hand could play. Or like you're basically wiring up a p- player piano to play notes like an impossible sequence. And uh, it's like a big part of that album. But I remember watching that behind the scenes being like, yo, this is insane. Also, I can't believe I'm watching this guy do this. And it's only gotten like your most recent album is really, really good. But it like, it's now just sounds like, I don't I don't know. I wish I, I wish I had like Fantano brain right now to find the right adjectives, but it's like, it, it makes more sense more cinematic almost like a score you know i think my music has always been about trying to put as many sounds together as possible like in like a almost like i don't have like the impulse control to edit yeah and i think i've slowly started finding space for things and this is the real hilarious part of the podcast where people are like oh i can't wait to start talking about density yeah (laughs) the mature nature of editing but yeah, I, I really like a dense, thick, lush sound. I've got a real, um, a brain that jumps from thought to thought very quickly. So I like music and art and media. That's always like well, you're you're something of pace. a uh, polymath. Polymath, yeah, yeah. That's another word I'll be googling after this. I, I mean, the player piano takes a lot of time to get to work, but really, like uh, taking what I write in the computer and uh, trying to writing for violin on a computer the way I write, and then bringing it to a violinist takes an insane amount of time because it's not written for a violin player. I need to normally make it. I normally need to make it like eight different separate parts and separate them out and like make them so that they have any sort of musicality to themselves on their own. Like I have this track called Rail. Um, it's like the third movement of this larger piece called USA, and when I was writing it, and I went to school for music, but I never, ever worked with humans. Like, the players in college, like, only want to play what will get them a job in an orchestra. They're not at all interested 
in playing like challenging as a, there's a couple, there's a couple, I shouldn't speak in these broad absolutes, but I had a difficult time finding people to play my music. That's why I was like, Oh, I'll just, uh, write for computers. And I heard this guy, Conlon Nancaro, this player piano composer from the fifties, whose music is just fucking bonkers. Hmm. Like he got into player piano for the same reason. Like his music was too challenging or it didn't like work into players wouldn't play it. And he has these like, crazy you know rapid fire 20th century avant-garde pieces but then also these like boogie woogie jazz pieces Mm. that are played at like 400 beats per minute that sound completely like preposterous and cartoony and i he was a major major influence so i can't remember where i was talking from originally but colin acaro definitely either like saved my life or like really fucked it up but i like working with computers because they can do quote unquote anything, but the one thing they can't do is sound at all like a human being. And I, like I said earlier, I want to, I don't want to limit what I'm working with. I want to work with as many sounds as possible. And only a human can play like a person, like a machine sounds different from a computer. A computer sounds different from a, a human player. Yeah. That makes sense. Sorry for no, 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 that was really your listenership on this podcast. Just <laughs> No, it's okay. I mean, that was great. Um, no, it's, it's been like, it's, it's been wild to watch the progression. I also think it's that window of time that we were talking about where the internet was like, like, I don't know, a democracy where like you could put something on there and like what people actually liked and wanted to share. There was no algorithm deciding what you saw. Yeah. And yeah, five years earlier, I never would have gotten on any sort of like late night or anything. Yeah. And I don't get any late night now. <laughs> and I went viral. The idea of Pitchfork covering like an unknown, like artist who's like, people can't, some people thought it was a joke. Other people didn't think it was, you know, like there was, it didn't, I, I can't imagine them covering me now if I was a new artist. But that's like, Everything that's is, something that is a bummer about like sort of post optimism. Yeah. Right. Is that like you go on Pitchfork now and it's just like the new Selena Gomez record? Yeah, and it's now what, you're what like, Rolling Stone was when I was a kid, and, and it's why I didn't really care about reading Rolling Stone. Right, and so now it's like I I don't know where where you go even. Exactly, you start looking in weird places. Well, I was talking yeah. to you about that, Brandon, about like um, I I think that like sometimes people confuse irony with like somebody just genuinely enjoying something that's unconventional and like maybe enjoying something that like Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to like because like you're smarter than it or something you're supposed to be or whatever but like at a certain Uh point when there's just you're bombarded with so much stuff and there's like not enough options i always found myself just going out looking for something at the very least like refreshingly new you know or unique yeah and i would always prefer that to something that was like just all the same like over and over again you know like not changing. I right. try to find people on Spotify that have like 20 monthly listeners. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, how do you do it? You just start going into like similar artists and I just yeah. dig into these similar artists and I found a lot of You find some heat? Music that I What is that? You find some heat? Find some heat for sure. Any recommendations? Let me open up my Spotify right now. This one is they got like 2300. I can't say the name. I texted it. Uh, to y'all okay um let me see i've been listening to that person's music quite a bit 
Okay. It's a lot of it's a lot of new agey stuff. Um, oh, okay. I see it now. So I guess it's my responsibility to try to pronounce this name. <laughs> yeah, oh my I'm, gosh. Am, uh... Okay. So let me try it. <laughs> Joel Van oh, Drugenbroek. Wow. Yeah, I think that's it. Joel Van Drugenbroek. Okay. It's like uh, Germanish, maybe Dutch. I think maybe it's Dutch. Joel. That looks Dutch to me. There's so many yeah. okay. vowels. Oh, wow. Uh, All right. Maybe I'll, I'm going to bookmark this. A, a lot of it is judging the book by its cover. Yeah. Like this Hillary Stagg, this like whales in space. Like, sign me up. I'll listen to some whales in space. Okay, beautiful. All the time. Um, um, Carl Stone is another one, a contemporary. Uh, sort of like... Uh, it's funny, me and Girl Talk were just talking about Carl Stone, like a person who works with samples in a really awesome way, um, really weird sounding music. I would def- definitely recommend uh, Carl Stone. I'm going through, I wish I had thought of this earlier. Are these all, are these all like low, uh, low listens on uh, Spotify or are you getting into territory of? Let me, Carl Stone has, has uh, Carl Stone's got to have some fun. Let me see what Carl's. Did you ever tour with Girl Talk? Yes, uh, several times. When, when was that? I want to hear about your tours. At that point, when things got like "quote unquote" big, when I wasn't just playing like houses and warehouses and mm-hmm. stuff, touring became very like almost like job like. Yeah, where just getting from point A to B was a lot of work. Um, I was kind of used to that because I used to. I never had a driver's license. Uh, I didn't get my license till 2018. And, That's wild. But I toured constantly. And I would always try to book as much of the tour as possible to try to like do the pre- preload the work since I wouldn't be able to help while on it. But on my first tour of the US in 2004, which would have been Wait, the same how are you getting the around, year, by the way, without the car? I would I would have another band come with me. Okay. So like <laughs> normally like, like a Baltimore act or a solo act, and like I was like, I'll book the tour. If you can drive for it. That's such a funny bargain. And Be like, yo, you want to come with me on tour? By the way, uh, I'm going to need a ride. You have to <laughs> drive. <needing> a ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes Damn. it was someone was already going on tour and they wanted someone to split the yeah, gas yeah. with. Um, sometimes like the tour would start and they'd be like, how do you want to split the driving? And I was like, I'm thinking like 100-0. <laughs> and on this one tour of the, the US, I think I was talking with this rapper named Height, who I love. He's a wonderful, wonderful person. And his car died. And, and I was dead broke at the time, like like completely broke. Um, no bank account, no cell phone. I didn't have a computer. Uh, just, just raw, raw dogging it raw. out there. And I'm, I'm really into spreadsheets. So I remember <laughs> like trying to figure out like my minimum caloric needs and I realized that if I was buying food every day on tour, I would be like spending all the money I made. Like normally we'd make like, you know, 60 bucks between the two of us. And most of that would have to go to gas. Yeah. So the tour was 60 days. So I bought uh, 60 cans of black beans and 60 cans of (laughs) corn and 60 servings of peanut butter and 60 rice cakes. Oh my God. And that was like, if, if I couldn't get food for free, that would be what I ate. Normally there'd be like, the house venues would like cook you a meal or we would go dumpster diving and stuff like that. But, uh, but halfway through the tour Heights car died, like driving from 
LA to Fresno, like at the exact mm-hmm. halfway point, both like geographically and time wise. And I couldn't fly home. I didn't, I had, I had saved $420 at the time. And I remember cause I was like, what do you want? And, um, I had, that was my only money in the world and it was in cash and I couldn't fly cause I didn't have an ID and an Amtrak ticket was crazy expensive. So there's no way I could take the train home. And I was looking into taking the bus and it was just as much to buy a one month bus pass as it was for a direct like six day multi-stopped trip to DC. And then I have to figure out how to get to Baltimore. But I started thinking about it. I was like, I should finish this tour. And I, there was a, uh, what is that fucking Sam's club by there? So I went and got like a cart and used some money to buy a cart. And I had to like let convince somebody to let me buy a cart on their Sam's club account and like, go back and look at the the video of me on the morning news show. That is exactly what I looked like. And I was like, I need you to buy me this cart. How am I going to get my beans around? (laughs) And I just, I like was making bags out of whatever I had. Like I made a bag out of a pair of pants, like a satchel with the legs and I tied rope at the bottom and that was full of the cans of corn. And I would take the Greyhound bus everywhere and it would take like 18 hours to get to most places. And Jesus I would just like sleep, sleep on the bus whenever I could. And when I would have to sleep at the station, I would tie all my bags to my limbs. Like so kids, no one could like, steal them off of me and i was the guy at the bus station that no one wanted to go near yeah it sounds like a, it i only had a a butter knife so i'm like stabbing the cans of, i'd start with the beans because the beans were the worst they were the worst and i I'd, I'd eat all the beans and then drink the bean water <laughs> oh my god And then i'd have the rice cake and peanut butter and then i'd eat the corn and then dessert was the delicious corn water the corn water is it's actually pretty good i would still have some corn water today <laughs> But and I'd have to find like a public library to go email like the next week of shows to be like, hey, I'm coming. Uh, I'm not gonna have any way of getting in touch with you. Can you meet me at the Greyhound bus station between these hours? I might be running late. Uh, and people were fucking psyched about it. They're like, what? And it. I'd never been to the West Coast. I'd never been to the center of the country at all. I'd never been to, you know, every place I was going to was my first time there, really. And so you're just getting off the bus with, like, a pair, like, you know, jeans bag full of corn, and you mm-hmm. would just be hoping somebody would be there to get you. And and somehow every time someone was. I mean, there were, I guess, to think about some, one time I got on the bus, it was going from Seattle to Missoula. Oh, boy. And... They like searched Whoa. my bags and they were like, why are, what is all this stuff? Cause it's like taped up electronics and like, they were like, is this a bomb? And I was like, well, if, why would you even ask? So no one's going to be like, you got me, you got me with this, is this a bomb? And I was <laughs> yeah. like, well, that's no, definitely not a bomb. It's like, they're musical instruments. And they're like, we'll play something. And I was like, that's not how it works. You think like I can just, and like, they were just like humiliating me. Yeah. Eventually they let me on the bus and the bus is pretty empty. And this guy comes and he sits down right next to me. And he's like, yeah, man, I saw them fucking with you. That was fucked up. Like, never let anybody <laughs> fuck with you or your stuff. He's like, I have 77 knives and four swords on my person because that is what I can legally carry. <laughs> Bob, 
by the law. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I've got two suitcases full of knives underneath. And I was like, are you like going to a, are you like a dealer? Are you going to a knife show? He's like, I'm going to visit my daughter. Whoa. Whoa. And, and sat next to him for, I don't know, seven hours where he was talking. And every time we'd stop at like a rest stop, he would buy like one of those like decorative, like, I remember he bought this one like Spider-Man knife because um, I love Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Like one of those like weird display big knives. And I kept thinking like, I know for a fact that now you're over the legal limit of knives. Yeah. <laughs> I was on another bus ride and I was reading Burning Chrome by William Gibson. And this guy sat down next to me and he's like, yeah, man, Gibson, he gets it, man. That means you get it. I get it. He gets it. We get it, man. He's like, the feds, they don't get it, man. Like, I'm just, they fucking pick me up and they fly me down there in a fucking helicopter and they hold me there for months. And then as soon as the case gets dismissed, they don't fly me home on a fucking helicopter. They put me on the fucking Greyhound bus, man. <laughs> and it's fucked up. But they can't prove it. They can't prove I made the acid. And they certainly don't know where the acid fucking is man but fucking they'll never get it because it's all on the buses man every time someone just picks up another suitcase full of fucking phone books and it's fucking caught it and just like and i'm like why are you fucking telling oh me this? oh my god <laughs> and he started going into this story he's like did you ever hear that stuff great stuff and I, at the time i didn't know what great stuff was and he's like yo great stuff like you put it like cracks the window like expands like expanding foam I was like, okay, yeah, I guess I guess I, I didn't know that was called great stuff. And he's like, yeah, great stuff, man. It's fucking great stuff. They call it great stuff because it's great stuff. He's like, I'm going to fill the Boston Harbor with great stuff, man. They're going <laughs> to fucking know it was me, man, but they're not going to be able to prove it, man. It's going to be some fucking great stuff, man. And so for months, it was like that one time there was a bus driver. The driver herself was like over the mic from like 3 a.m. until her shift ended talking about how she was abused as a child oh my gosh and like oh, the no. local authorities it was it was it was rough like one that like she had gone through that and two that like it was happening through the, the feeding back mike on a greyhound bus in the middle of idaho just i mean i could that's like kind of what you expect from that because i can't imagine the customer service at greyhound is that great because it's really no, like especially not then because like why do they have to get better like who's you know people taking there's greyhound no they're taking it because there's no alternative like usually they, they were at the time they would just sell as many bus tickets as they could like and there were often times where like if you didn't go ask for a sticker to be put on your ticket you wouldn't get on the oh, bus wow and I, I used to take the bus from uh, Purchase to Baltimore all the time because I had a girlfriend who lived in Baltimore before I moved down here. And I learned of this system the hard way. And there was one time I was in the middle of nowhere and there was a transfer and almost everyone got off the bus and another packed bus pulled up. But luckily I had asked, like, do I need a transfer sticker? And they're like, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I, like, they didn't even like ask and they didn't give it to me then. I said to be like, can I... Can I have it? I want. It. I don't want to sleep here. Uh, can I? Can I leave now? But the whole system. Was, so I got kind of used to this grueling touring system. That like it was, it was, and it was my only job. Yeah. And if I made seventy bucks a show, because the bus, a monthly bus pass would only cost me like nineteen dollars a day. Yeah. And way cheaper than gas. I think if I tried to tour traditionally, like in a car, um, I wouldn't have been able to do mm -hmm. it. Like between gas and insurance and upkeep on the vehicle 
So I, I toured by bus for years. And when a train ticket was the same price, I would take the train. But that's extremely rare. I took the train once from Seattle to New York yeah. over Christmas from December 23rd to December 28th. And the train was completely empty. And I didn't have like a sleeper car. And like I said, I didn't have like a phone. So I couldn't. It's do also any, weird. Book, the I, idea of touring by <laughs> yourself, too. That's like. That's yeah, really unusual now I think about it because it's like a lot of people have like rough tour stories, but it's even weirder that you're literally just by yourself, like on the platform, not even one bandmate or a tour manager or anything. You're just solo. No, yeah, I was, and and then when I started to find success, that's what I thought was normal. And I'd go to Europe and I was traveling this way and... You just kept doing it after like... I didn't know a tour manager to existed. Anymore. For yeah. years, like the whole concept of someone, I was like, because you know, a booking agent was a massive luxury. Mm-hmm. Getting a booking agent was incredible. That took away the all the pre-tour work, right? And so I, ne- I was like, I can ask someone to pay me at the end of the night. Like, why would I need a tour manager? And one time I was in Romania, and I'm getting off the plane, and this is like six days of playing these weird festivals where every every time there's someone waiting. Um, to pick me up, to drive me normally immediately to the stage and play. And then I get on another plane and fly somewhere else. And sometimes they have a sign that says my name, or sometimes they have a sign that says name in the festival, but sometimes they're just a couple of guys. Yeah. And I'm in Bucharest and I get off the plane and these guys are waving at me. Like they are so happy to see me. And I'm like, are you here from the so-and-so festival? And they're like, yes, yes. And, I'm, and they're like, let me take your bags. And luckily at this time, I don't let anyone take my bags. I'm like, no, I got it. I can carry all my own stuff. Don't worry about it. And then like about 200 feet in front of me, I see these like hipster looking people like run towards me and they start screaming at these guys in Romanian. And the Romanian guys who I'm with are screaming back at them. <laughs> and eventually they leave and like the the younger, like uh, mid 2000s hipster looking people are like, they're like, who are those men? And I was like, I thought they were with the festival. They're like, no, they were kidnappers. They were arguing with us that they had kidnapped you first and we couldn't have you. Oh, my God. Holy and, shit. And I was like ready to just like jump in the van and be like, so like when's catering? Are there meal tickets? Uh, what are you guys up to? How long have you yeah. been with the Like I would have just been like, I was the prime. They were like, there he is, the American idiot that everyone talks about existing. Look at him. He couldn't look stupider. And we're right. He's an idiot. And if those your people agent, showed up, your agent booked that gig? Oh yeah, I mean most people were like you should bring someone with you and I was like no, I'm a cheap bastard. I can do it all by myself and uh after that I started trying to always travel with other people and it gets lonely. Like going yeah. to like a beautiful place by yourself is not anywhere near the same as having someone to share or recant that experience. Yeah. With. That's No, 100%. The ne- but also, it was cheap as fuck to fly back then. Now, like, you used to be able to fly to London for, like, I don't know, 400 bucks round trip. And the pound was worth twice as much as the dollar. So I would go to Europe. Con- but there was a big jump from the bus to flying. Like, Oh, yeah. No, co- no corn, of, for starters. There was no corn. No <laughs> corn at all. But I think that that time period of, like, having to really count every dollar and every penny and Every hour was valuable, like finding out when to sleep. And in 2009, I bought a school bus. And this would be on the Bromps tour. And this is where Kyle Mapson. Oh, yeah. I'm glad uh, he's getting I, a shout out. Kyle Mapson, our boy. Yeah, Selfies, food, love and Mapson. pets. 
Yes. Um, brilliant artist. Like, I mean, a true, can't. we've talked about him. I think he's gotten a shout out on the pod before. Kyle Mabson, just like, I don't even know. He's like a human Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a legend of the game, yeah, for legend. sure. Uh, this was a tour with 20 people. And I really wanted the tour like a big ensemble. So I, I, some friends were like, this is like when Biodiesel was. Oh, the, the rage. Kind of All first. the rage. Yeah. Well, it was pre-rage. It was pre-rage. Oh, okay. Because that's, that's how we could find this bus for so cheap. So I found this school bus in Maine. It only had like 1,500 miles. And we got it for like 1,000 bucks. And my friends converted it to run on Greece. Hmm. And we booked the whole tour as if it were like going to be a regular tour. There were no beds. There were a couple of seats. And there were 20 people on it. And this thing went like tops 45 miles an hour. <laughs> and we were fucked we would have to drive like we'd show up hours late normally after the doors had already been opened we'd load in play immediately load out and start driving to the next show sleep in shifts wherever we could there was nowhere to lay down there was so much equipment kyle was the tour manager so needless to say there was no tour manager like he had never done (laughs) before he'd never gone on a tour this size there was no organization. We didn't know what advancing was that you could like call the venue ahead of time or email them and be like, this is what we're bringing. Here's a stage plot. Like I didn't have management at all. So like everything was just fucking crazy and grueling. There was like, I don't know, a three week stretch where we didn't sleep in the city we played in. We would sleep only in transit. And then when we could finally like have a day off or sleep somewhere, we would just like take mushrooms and lose our minds and try to forget the. I dislocated my shoulder on this tour, so I'm in a sling and a oh swap my god for oh, half fuck. of it. Um, Dude, I how many uh, how many venue showers were you taking? There were no showers in these size venues. No, it was hor- horrifically unsanitary. Oh like, boy, uh, nasty. Nasty. Like every once in a while, we'd be able to like stay um, at a friend's house, like park the bus outside, and then we would just like horribly like destroy the. You know what I just realized? Ruin their home. (laughs) I actually, I I googled. I tried to find a picture of the bus, and I saw like an article about this on Pitchfork, and I think this is how I heard about biodiesel back in the day, Mm -hmm. of like an article about you needing people's vegetable oil and stuff oh yeah we would if if people brought five gallons of oil we would let them into the show for free yeah that's like dude i think this is how i literally learned about the concept of biodiesel vehicles from this it we went twelve thousand miles and spent like 200 bucks so it was but getting the oil i mean now you can't get it now everyone turns it into animal feed or recycles it into some other weird shit but we would just go behind restaurants and sometimes they would give it to us and other times we'd have to filter it. And again, we'd pants. I don't know why this is such a theme, but we'd filter it through jeans, huh. like tie the, the, the bottom, the, the whole, the feet holes of jeans. Those must have like a technical word. Yeah. Right? I don't know it though. The footholes of yeah. pants. I don't know what they're called. Um, and we would just like tie them up to the rear view window of the bus. We'd have these like bulbous oil soaked sweating jeans with buckets underneath and venues were like what the fuck why are you but we told them ahead of time but they didn't know how like i don't know raw and unprofessional 
uh, we could possibly be. And then we like doubled down on that unprofessionalism by showing up like four hours late and being like, we need to filter 60 gallons of fucking hog grease out did here. You, did you ever learn to stop being gr- disgusting while touring? <laughs> <laughs> now I really cherish a, a shower and a, a nice quiet space. I still tour on the bus, but now the bus has like nine bunks and a kitchen. Like all and- of your tours are like one bad idea that ends with like, Disgusting food habits. <laughs> yeah, food, food, uh, juice. But I, I, every, everyone who tours on the bus um, falls in love with it in some way. That first tour, not so much. The first tour was a total nightmare. Like when future Allens talk about it, they're like, "Yeah, I don't know how Dan convinced us to get on that fucking bus." <laughs> but now it's like it's like an RV. Yeah, and I, I, you know. There's literally 11 less people on it. Nine people is like the max. Seven was the last tour, and that was really comfortable. And Are you? Oh, have you overcorrected really, now at all? I've yes. What? Like I don't. Um, I've done a couple of tours where like I'm in like a tour bus with another band. Like when I toured with Animal Collective before that got canceled. Like they had like a sleeper bus, but I like to travel and look out the window. And yeah. Be, be in the middle of nowhere during the day like skipping that and just going city to city it's just i'm just not appealing is at there all. a bougie habit you picked up now that you could like never go back to the way you, you used to live uh we i love prosciutto oh. try to eat prosciutto bro i love prosciutto. the finest of the cured meats oh 100 percent. bougie habits um there was a while when i wouldn't stay in a hotel for like months and then i would just get like like I don't know, like a Swede at the standard or something and, and blow all that money and being like, no, I earned it. Now I look back and I'm like, I could have, could have paid off my mortgage. If yeah. I this fucking stupid shit. <laughs> but I don't know. I, like I fly Southwest and I'm also a Southwest boy. Love Southwest. Yeah. Companion pass. companion pass. Dude, I have companion pass. Yeah, it's the best. But love it. Dur- COVID screwed me because I finally got it. Like my whole adult life been like kind of dreaming of that. And for the listeners at home that don't know, <laughs> this is not a Southwest ad, by the way. Um, but Companion should, should Pass, be. if you get enough points, it means you pick one person and they fly with you for free every single time, like whenever you want. So it's so sick. It's incredible. It's like, yeah, my girlfriend can fly with me anywhere for free and it's already cheap. But dude, yeah. I, my Companion p- Pass hit like two months before this. So the whole year... Is, well, it's good until December next yeah, year. Yeah, it's just like, dude, I'm like wasting it. Um Oh no! I might have to, and there's no way I'm going to hit it again. I'm not buying anything right now, so you know, tragedy. I was reading about some scam where people were buying coins uh, for the mint. Coins, yeah. yeah. They, they, they shut that down, but it's genius. You would sign up. But can oh, that you was a, buy that was them? A massive scandal. Yeah. Yeah. So fucking smart. Yeah. yeah. You can't buy coins with credit card anymore. No, they. I. They don't sell the. You. What they are doing for the audience there. Signing up for a like mileage plus card or whatever, and then they would order dollar coins from the U.S. Mint at price. So they would buy like for, for with free with shipping. free shipping. So they buy like five thousand dollars worth of coins, and then the coins would arrive, and you just put them in your bank account, and then you would just keep doing that and get the points, never actually spending money. And then there are people who like racked up like hundreds and thousands of miles that like millions. millions of miles. Yeah. And I think they took away a lot of them, but then there are some people who fought it and were able to keep them. There was a, yeah, there's a, I, I, I have great respect for the points freaks, you know, it's not it. for me, it. but you know, um, well, we could wrap this up soon. Um, I, I have to 
head out to get myself some food finally. But um, Dan, I, one last point I wanted to make, um, and I may be, I could be wrong on this, but I do believe it is that I, I think I could, I want to credit you with um, starting the trend, the trend of like a certain type of glasses. I'd say that like you're, you wearing like what we, I don't even know what I would call them, like grandpa glasses, like kind of like the worst glasses at lens crafters that you would never buy. You're the first mm-hmm. person I saw like doing that, that I feel like became really hot at the time. And then now it's just like everywhere, you know, kind of like un- a fashion icon. Yeah. Like I, I really do. I just realized it now, but like you were the first person I had ever seen doing it. And um, I feel like it's fair to give well, you, you like Stavros, Stavros owes you a check. Sure, oh, yeah. but I mean, it's like so beyond that now. I mean, like now there's like, I don't know. I don't even know what glasses people were wearing before that. But like you were the first person I saw wearing those like weird lens crafters ones. And I remember after that, uh, everybody in school like getting weird glasses. And um, and now what we would have called weird glasses then are just like normal now, you know? I, I think about that a lot because uh, I used to go to this place called Eyeglass Depot. Yeah. And uh, by, did you ever see, um, what's that, what's that movie called? Um, oh, Good Time. Did you ever see Good Time? Yes. The Safi Brothers movie? They go to um, that amusement park, Adventureland. Mm-hmm. And I used to go to that, amu- anyway, Eyeglass Depot is right next to Adventureland. Um, there's no reason I should have told that Good Time story. Sure. Just my little <laughs> Long Island fact. Um, and they had all these old backstock, like 80s frames. And I loved the women's large framed glasses. <laughs> and they would like, they like didn't want to sell them to me. They're like, these <laughs> are for old do women. And I was like, <laughs> I already look like a psychopath. Just give me the glasses. And I wore them for years. And then, yeah, when I, I don't know. I have no idea. It's impossible to say because there would have been in uh, discount outlets all over the country. I think I might have just been someone getting my photograph taken a lot in them for the first time. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of like surplus uh, anything finds its way back into a new context and someone... I just remember going into an American Apparel on tour and they had a sign next to glasses they were selling that said, if you like electronic music from Baltimore... And I was like, "You've got to be fucking That's hilarious. kidding!" Like oh, it was wow. a, it was a made sign. It wasn't like a handwritten thing. And oh, that's that, fucked. It was it was odd. You're, and I was like, "No, you're yeah." Just, you're, so like, you're I, broke. You're eating. You're eating beans out of a can. And at this point, American I was doing apparel. all right. At this point, I was doing okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's really funny because I was just like, that just popped in my head, and I was throwing that out there from my gut. But now I didn't even know that. That's like real evidence. Because if American Apparel, then it spirals out from there. That's like a clear, logical steps. It was something that people would like... It was certainly weird, or I guess uncommon is a better word, because people would like write about it. For some reason, when I first started writing, people, they wouldn't ever write about the music. They'd be like, can you believe an overweight, bald man is making music that children like? Like, can you believe a fat person can do anything? Also, he wears (laughs) peculiarly large glasses. Like every review just had to talk about like being bald, being fat, and wearing weird glasses. Yeah, there's a few things you're doing that. Oh, go ahead, Brennan. Oh, just shit that has like nothing to do with his music. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) at all. Like, 
how did this fat, ugly guy <laughs> make good music? <laughs> like, huh? Pretty much. Uh, you don't. You don't have to say anything about. Uh, <laughs> uh huh. What? Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah, that's. It's funny thinking back because, um, especially our younger listeners, it would like might sound like I'm like making that shit up, but really. Because that the glasses are so normal now and all over the place, but at the time it was so weird. I vividly remember seeing you like videos and pictures of you, and it was that the glasses had the biggest spread. Like I think that's actually like a giant cultural mark that you've left. I don't know that. Well, I, I don't think I have no idea. I'm not. I can't claim no, any I, credit I, for that. I believe that. Yeah, I don't expect you to claim it, but like I think that would be very, very fair. Um, even if like there was somebody that did it after you that was like secretly or secretly inspired by you even if it was like on accident or one one step removed but um the other like the types of shirts you would wear um i couldn't give you the full credit but like i remember like the types of shirts you were wearing back then were new to me at the time where you were like i mean thrift store shirts were popular but you were wearing like a breed of them that i hadn't seen somebody do yet where it was like (laughs) Like now, well, you were wearing a lot of like Looney Tunes and like Tweety stuff, which is now like you wouldn't think that's weird at all. Like that's like so like a mainstream like hipster type of thing. But at the time... I had this Jar Jar Binks shirt that I wish I yeah. still had. This Jar Jar Binks shirt was like, I would frame it and put it in a, at the, the, the time, wall, like even like a hipster looking through the thrift store, like the shit you were wearing, would they wouldn't buy it. They would be like, no, this is like actually straight up lame. Um, but you wore it and then all of a sudden, like, I remember everybody trying to like buy like weird Tweety Bird shirts and like Jar Jar Binks and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, whenever I'm talking, uh, about you with people, um, I don't know how to like pinpoint like where you entered into my like internet life. Like, I don't know how I first started following you. It was well before I met you. And, um, I think you were the first person who... I ever saw making starter pack memes. Oh, sure. And they were they, they were just amazing to me. And I, I was like, I need to find more of these starter pack memes. And I try, remember trying to go to like starter pack memes. Tum- and well, like I didn't, definitely existed. didn't start them. They were, um, they were Twitter. It was Twitter, basically. It was just like four images. But I just, I think I did maybe start like, it was pretty much the day that Instagram allowed like long posts. I was making like really dumb, elaborate ones, and I think, I mean, a lot of I, people do those now. I but I was like them. really specific guys um, with like way too many things in there. Um, that's pretty funny. They were amazing. Yeah. They they brought me so much joy. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's 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 I don't know. I guess like no one knows. I was I was watching The Wire the other day, and there's a scene where they go to a wake uh-huh. and. I started thinking about like imagine being the first person to like pitch the idea of a wake, uh, like uh, being like you know we're not you know maybe we should, to process this we have like a really sad party before we put like the corpse in the ground yeah. and we all hang out <laughs> and it, like someone must have done that and it caught on. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know why I'm bringing that up, but I guess in regards to, like there's all these like it, like I, I often wonder like who's the first person who took that image of the woman and then like it's a little zoomed in on her face and she says like what or something you know what i'm talking about that woman the meme where it's like she's like mm, and then it's like just zoomed in closer no i, on I mean face it's hard to describe supposed- a meme though but I'm- it is hard to describe I-, I would love just an audio collection of meme descriptions 
Just try to but decipher there. Someone at some point first made be, being someone who went viral on the internet and had it be completely taken out of context. Like, do you remember Samwell, the what, what, and the butt yes. guy? I've oh, always wanted to like all too familiar. Ho- <laughs> I've wanted to like host a Netflix show where I like interview other people. Like, what was your life like post what, what, and the butt? Do you, how often today do you still like Tazon Day? Like, how often does Tazon? Oh like, my every god! Every once dude. in a while, Tazon Day has a viral tweet. Yeah, no, he's still in. That has, he's still in the realm. Um, I'll leave me. Me and Girl Talk played with Tazon Day in Minneapolis at First Avenue. Whoa. It was a tight, tight I'll, I'll end the pod by with this anecdote, because this is one of the weirdest moments of my life, is that like when Chocolate Rain blew up, like I was at my internship and uh, somebody like, you know, this, the way everybody like shows you something, they're just like, oh, dude, you got to see this. And they pulled up Chocolate Rain and showed me it like as work was ending and I was like, oh, that's funny. You know, that's funny. Well, this guy's real weird. He has a weird voice. And then so we like left work. And I show you not like 15 minutes later, we're in line. And I look behind me and Tay is behind me. Like the Chocolate Rain kid. And I did a triple take. And I was like, dude, are you the guy from Chocolate Rain? He's like, mm, yes. <laughs> I like lost my mind. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. <laughs> oh my god all right well dan thank you so much for coming dan. on i feel like we could have talked for a lot longer but um i had a blast thanks for yeah. having me um I, I tried to remember what y'all and uh stav called titties they're like tom bobbins or something like oh that oh my god like real tom papas <laughs> tom papas yes the i was tom trying papas. to find a way to, to work that in but now that we're now that we're closing, I'll, I have to admit I couldn't remember. Oh man! Oh yeah, we didn't even get in get into any like sort of Baltimore stuff, really. Well, we'll have to do you it. Come again. back again. I know we'll Let's have to do, do it. it again. Yeah, because you mentioned the the wire. I like deleted six seasons. Very fu- the beach house season of the something wire. Ve- <laughs> something very funny about like Baltimore comedy is like there would be so many shitty Baltimore comics. Where their credit on stage would be like, oh, this next guy, you might recognize him from The Wire. <laughs> and it was always some guy that like, it was like some guy that like played a dead body on The Wire. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. That and they're using Baltimore real people in that show and then, too. And then in New York, it would be uh, guys that were a dead body in Law and Order. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, Dan, thanks for coming on. Oh yeah, Dan. Oh, any no any plugs on the way out? Uh, no, I'm not doing any. I'll play it out with one of your <laughs> new songs too. <laughs> oh, I had I had a record come out uh, f- before the the world uh, got put on pause, but I had a record called Mystic Familiar. Um, I guess I still have it. I don't know. I'm speaking about it in the past tense. <laughs> but uh, just Google my name and you'll find weird things. Yep, I'll play them out with a song oh, too. Yeah. All right, Dan Deacon, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>